welcome to episode 57 of Popcorn Hangover. I'm John. And I'm Anna. And today we're going to be talking about two of the biggest movies of the year so far, and that is Dune and the recently released Eternals. But before we get into that, um, there is one other movie that we've recently watched that I just want to talk about for a couple minutes. We just finished uh, Red Notice on Netflix. Yes, supposedly the biggest release that they've had ever, but that's what they always say. It is the biggest budget they've ever had, though. They spent $200 million on this movie, which is more than, well, it's the same as Eternals, but it's more than Dune. And we decided we're not going to do a full episode on this movie. There's not enough to talk about. There isn't enough to talk (laughs) about. But I have a lot of questions. Um, It's a fun, bad movie. It's not good. Don't let anyone confuse you. Um, Anna found a really good critic talking about it where, what was it? It was basically... Like, it. it it's not bad in the fact that, like, you know, there's other action movies that are just like, you know, it, it's a good, like, it's a fun, easy action movie. The problem is, like, the amount of money they spent on it and the all-star cast, it should be better. Yeah, and it's very reference but in a way, like, it's not always in your face. It's these, like, subtle references, but you're like... I'm watching a dumb blockbuster action movie. I don't need to be like, oh, are they talking about Indiana Jones? Or are they? It's just really stupid. It's fun. It's on Netflix. Um, the last half hour is really good and really twisty compared to the rest of the movie. But I'm still confused how Netflix gave them $200 million. I think that's the biggest thing is because, especially when you put it into comparison of like the fact that it's on par with Dune. No, and no, no, no. Eternals, it was on par. Dune only cost 165 Okay. But, st- but you're, I'm saying these are big league movies. Yeah. And you're on the same level, like over uh, over $150 million. Like, when you see other movies that are made with, like, way less. And the thing is, this movie had awful special effects. They looked so bad. I, I At one point, I was like, I'm pretty sure that no one higher than an intern made a single special effect on this movie. And I think most, well, obviously most of the money went to their paychecks, but, like, it was, it's crazy. Yeah, I looked it up, so, um, The Rock, um, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, and then the director, Rostin Thurber, those four accounted for $70 million of the $200 million budget, but that still leaves $130 million for the other actors and well, actresses. Well, they were on location. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy, how much this movie cost for, like, being just a very schlocky action comedy buddy cop thing. It's just wild. Um, But so I didn't want to go without talking about that entirely. We're both big Ryan Reynolds people, and we're both big The Rock people, and I, I just can't believe this movie. But Anna did bring up a really interesting point. So there's been criticism for many years that Ryan Reynolds do- doesn't act. Um, since he basically does Deadpool in every movie. But you brought up something that I've never thought about, and now I can't stop thinking about. What? The Gal Gadot thing. Oh, yeah, Gal Gadot doesn't act either. And The Rock barely acts. Like, he I, he does have, like, a different persona in certain things. But I really think, and in my opinion, too, I don't, I think Ryan Reynolds hasn't acted since Ever. Like, it's not like he ever had, like, please tell me one movie where he had a different personality. It's not just Deadpool. He's had that personality yeah. this whole time. Like, in The Proposal, in Just Friends, like, that's mm-hmm. his personality. Yeah. I, I He's I maybe a little less, that. like, sarcastic and a little less, um... He's definitely more over the top now. Yes. But still, it's like, it's just his personality. And then Gal Gadot, like, yeah, she was I mean, the Wonder point, Woman and stuff. The point you like, brought up is she does the same accent... Her real accent in every movie. She doesn't do accent work. She's just a hot girl. And I, it's just wild. And Who's like good at stunts. Yeah. And, and like for years I've expected it out of Ryan Reynolds and The Rock. But now you've said this and I'm like, Gal Gadot really is the same way. Which is fine. They just no, she's, played, they're, they, they played they're all getting, their strengths. They're getting 40 million, whatever, what was it? 20 million each. 20 million each. I mean, they're all getting a bag. I'm not going to be like, no. But I guess my thing is. I'm so for streaming movies, especially when there's these movies that don't get, like, I guess this movie's supposed to get be picked up by Universal and never did. So, like, it's these movies, like, it makes sense to me for independent films or for smaller budget where, like, you know, yeah. they don't need that much. Like, a great, a great example of a small thing getting picked up is Squid Game. Like, that was an independent produced show 
that yeah, Netflix I'm gave it. Well, but I'm saying you can see the power of Netflix with movie shows all that. Yeah, but it's just kind of like how there's made for TV, you know, high school music, those kinds of things. I don't know how to explain this. But my thing is I don't understand how how these movies like this, like they're not part, you know, they're not Disney. They're not part of like a. They're not part of a studio. A studio and like, I, I don't understand how Netflix is making money at a $200 million budget. Yeah. It, Cause we've talked about this on prior episodes. I think extraction, we went into this, like how streaming services make money on these things. And like, it's just to drive more streams, drive subscribers, get people to renew. But, what I'm saying but is, how when it's is that, this... when it's that much money, how are you? Yeah. This is so into, it's not like a nostalgic thing. It's not like a, it, yeah, I, I kind of confused by that, but. I don't know. Uh, it, it's weird because, like, I, I don't know. They're both they're both franchise people. Like, they only really do franchises. Like, I can't think of a one-off that The Rock has done that wasn't, like, designed well, to be a franchise. Well, this movie is going to be franchise, but it's well, just, the, like, Yeah, they ended on a cliff, like, a cliffhanger. I just don't think it's, like, big... Whereas, you know, they obviously are having... Like, you know, the other studio that does this the most is Prime. Like, they have... Yeah. The, the, besides Disney, but you can't count it. Like, I don't count Disney, Disney Plus. Because Disney is a traditional like big screen yeah uh production so house. now so prime video makes out all of these but again they're like tom clancy books and like there's these things that have like you know established audiences yeah like red notice is just it's just some bs that they made up yeah and don't get us wrong we're bashing this like we had fun watching it it's a bad movie but it's just it's it raises so many questions i um, actually, I did remember, though, before we dive into these movies, there is something rock-related that we have to talk about, and that is Vin Diesel's Instagram post oh my God. begging The Rock to come back to do Fast 10. No, I don't even think it was begging. I think that he was just being cocky. He's basically making it public so that it wasn't his fault if he doesn't come back. I he mean, never said really sorry. No, he never said sorry, but he was begging him to come back because... But basically, the rock, now, the rock is the secret to the Fast franchise. Well, yeah, but the problem is like it, it's now not Vin's fault. Like that's the thing. Is, yeah, he's just kind. Of, it's it was so pretend. Like the yeah. The, well, Vin. So Vin had two things in there. Like one was a dig, and one was like a oh my god, he said that. The dig was he called the Rock his little brother, which I was like, that's wild that Vin Diesel called him that. But the other one is he's like. I promised Pablo the 10th would be the best movie. And Pablo is what he would call Paul Walker. And I'm like, so you're also being like the ghost of Paul Walker wants the oh, rock and, in this movie. And his family, like, at my my daughter, or like my, my kids every Christmas, at, every, ask we, we always, you? they I ask about Uncle Dwayne. And I'm and like, what, are, for you? Like, like, what are you talking about, dude? It Needless to say, if the rock isn't in Fast 10, something horrible has gone wrong. I just really, he needs to come home. It just was a really weird Instagram post. Check it out. I would say check out the Rock in- Rock's Instagram, but he posts like a billion times a day. So if he ever posts a response, it's going to get swept up because he advertises everything. It's about drive. It's about power. Oh my god, <laughs> that song is... devour. Yeah, the, the Rock's new rap song is uh, something. I asked John a few, like a week ago, I was like, how long has the song been out? And he's like, uh, like a few weeks. And I was like, it feels like, because I guess Years. maybe if you're a TikTok person, it feels like it's been out forever. And like, it, I'm like, oh, I just felt like it got rediscovered. I know like every word to his verse. It It is not healthy. Um, But yeah, check out Red Notice if you want. If you don't, you're not missing anything. It's like 40% of a Hobbs and Shaw movie, but yeah, a lot worse. Sure. Because Hobbs and Shaw, I will defend, was a good movie. No, Hobbs and Shaw was great. Yeah, I need to rewatch that. I just need to go through the Fast franchise again. Once after, again. Yeah, once again. Okay, well, let's uh, transition to projects that are definitely more serious, um, at least in their intention that they were made, and that is um, Dune and the Eternals. Uh, we're going to start first with Dune, and I have to start with an apology off the top. We saw Dune like three or four weeks ago. And um, for those of you who have seen it or who have read the book, you know that it is a very dense story with more characters than any movie has a right to keep track of. Um, And I don't even mean that in a negative way. It's just a very complicated story, I think. Um, I've tried to read the book. I've mentioned it several times in this podcast. 
I think after seeing the movie, it's going to be a bit easier because I can put faces to names. Or you could listen to that YouTube video by what? It's by, by Wisecrack. Wisecrack. Thug Notes, Summary and Analysis of Dune. It's like a five minute video. And I watched it after he, uh, after we saw the movie. And I was like, this would have been so much more helpful to like have during the movie or like, I don't know, before, just because it, you they just drop you in on the story. And you're like, yeah. what? The, the story is really overwhelming. Um, I'm going to try to do the best version of the synopsis. If you haven't seen the movie, this is going to sound like a foreign language. Uh, I, I, I know that most people have seen it when they listen to us break things down, but I just want to give a warning. It is going to sound like I'm speaking French or something. <laughs> um, so Dune, which uh, since it's come out, it's been rebranded as Dune Part 1. It literally says it in the opening crawl. But they oh. never marketed it that way, which is No, that's why very I weird. was very confused. <laughs> so, Dune is a 2021 science fiction epic that serves as the first half adaption of Frank Herbert's book of the same name from 1965. It revolves around House Atreides being instructed by the Emperor to assume control of the desert planet Arrakis, also known as Dune, which holds the valuable asset of spice. It has a massive cast, probably the biggest cast of any movie this year, including Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Dave Bautista, Zendaya, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem, and like three or four more people that I cannot fit in that movie. And spoiler alert, almost everyone dies. Basically. Basically, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, and Zendaya are the only ones who are going to be in the next movie. And Javier Bardem. Um, It's been very well received after the first one was a bomb. Like, sorry, the first one from the 80s. They made one in the 80s. Um, It has an 83 critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, a 90 audience score. It has grossed $351 million on a $165 million budget. It hasn't debuted in all markets yet, too, so that should go up a bit. But for a COVID box office return, that is fantastic. It has. Was it the biggest? I think um, it's the biggest or second biggest streamed on HBO Max, too. So it's gotten a ton of eyeballs. What about theaters? For theaters, I think it was like third. Since COVID? Yeah, since COVID. I think Fast 9 and Shang-Chi are still ahead of it, but it still has done really well at the box office, and um, it's been greenlit for a sequel. It wasn't guaranteed coming into it that it was going to get it. It was all going to hinge on box office and HBO Max numbers, but it's been well-received. It's made money. Um, People that are big fans of Dune have also specifically said that this is like what they picture when they read the book, so it seems like people are pretty happy all around with this. Um, yeah, not- my dad said that they cleaned it up a lot. Yeah, so I haven't seen the original movie, but I've talked to a few people that have, including your dad, and they pretty much all had the same reaction, that the original one is awful. That they- Except for the pug. Yeah, that, that so <laughs> Paul, who's the main character, like owns a pug in the original, despite the fact that dogs like don't exist in this world. They just made a bunch of weird stylistic choices. Um I don't know. I can't really judge it because I'm a, like, I'm a fan of Dune from the perspective that it was, like, a godfather of the sci-fi genre. Um, And I believe watching this, like, I don't know if you felt the same way, but it is clear, even though this movie's being made after, like, the influences that you can see that came from, like, what they do, I guess. What do you mean? Like, you can clearly see that George Lucas read, oh, yeah. like, read Dune. And I'm not saying that other franchises rip Dune off. I'm saying that you can see core concepts that have been adapted and I mean, this man who wrote this, like, I don't... Sometimes there's things... When you watch things like Lord of the Rings and... And that one's not even, like, sci... I mean, it's, like, it's fantasy. Fantasy. But when you watch or read things like Harry Potter... um uh star wars um like i I don't know there's just it's crazy these people are in this world and like the fact that dune came out so long ago and is such a interest in people like it's just crazy that someone was so deep in this world that they created like gotten so much detail about this world like i don't know i worry about these authors sometimes because i'm like you are so unhinged on not reality yeah and and i mean there have been criticisms of dune so um 
the main focus of this movie is spice. This resource that I don't under I think that's so, the most thing I can't understand. So a big criticism of Dune the book is that spice is basically a fill in for oil in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, well, that's why I try to take make in my head. Yeah. It's like it's like oil. Yeah. And it, it 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 quite literally is. Um, there is. But some why did he choose spice? I, I'm not sure. There's a lot of Arabic undertones in the book too. I guess in the movie some of that comes through, but I, they've toned it down a bit. Um, I I truly don't know the story. I'm not well informed enough about this. If you are a big Dune fan, please get in touch with us because the next time Dune, like when Dune Two comes out, I'd love to be more well versed. But, um, you know, even though we're not going to be great at breaking down this plot, I do have some things I did want to talk about, like, just that I really enjoyed. Um, because, spoiler, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, my one criticism, it's long as hell. Um, oh my god, you never knew it was going to end. Like, and you I... never... It's not even that... Sorry to cut you off. It's not even that it's long. It's your point. They fake you out with ending so many times. You're like, this is a great time to end the movie. Nope, let's tack on an extra half hour. And I'm going to be honest, like... At one point, I was, like, falling asleep. Because I was like, this is so boring right now. And it's beautiful, beautiful movie style. Yeah. But it was just, like, it was too long in between action because we'd already gotten to an action place. And then it was, like, their journey. I think they should have ended. But you had to get Zendaya in there because, like, you can't... They faked us out already. So, I'm pretty sure I saw that she's in the movie for seven minutes and that if you take all of the marketing and the scenes that they showed, they show her in like three minutes of marketing material of, of separate shots. So she's almost in trailers as much as she's in this movie. It's crazy. If you went there as a Zendaya fan and... And she does have a big fan base. Yes. Uh, you were not seeing her. I was like, when the hell is she going to come on this damn screen? So I think they did end it at a good point because it was like, okay, fine. Now we know she's actually in the story because we just keep seeing yeah. these... these um these premonitions, visions, um, and that she's in. And I'm like, okay, well, obviously she's coming up. Yeah. But also, we don't know if his premonitions are real or not because oh my God. she's killing when, him. When you find, sorry, uh, just to jump to the very end of the movie, when you find out because he thought that that Fremen was helping him and then he like, actu- and then Paul kills him and you're like, oh, his premonitions mean absolutely nothing. Because they give you hints throughout the movie that like, you can't necessarily trust them because we don't know where they're coming from. Like, they might be coming from the witches. They might not be coming from the witches. But he knows that his mom is pregnant. Well, That possi- he got correct. But, po- oh, yes, he did get that yeah. correct. Sorry, I forgot we found that at the end of the movie. But I think that the premonition still means something true because in it, he or it could be other possibilities of the future. Yeah. Like, I think that's the other thing is, like, it could be, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's... It's interesting because some of his things, like, there's definitely a connection with that premonition of, like, yeah. the firm and helping him, and then Zen- then Zendaya, like, killing him. Yeah. Because she gave him her knife. Yes. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, it, it's just, like, I mean, like you were saying, though, there are parts of this movie that are super slow. Conversely, though, there are scenes, like, some of the coolest things I've seen on a really big screen... And there's, like, no in-between. And it's it's so strange. Like, I think that scene where Paul first, like, uses the voice, that was so interesting. And, like, that is a thing in the book. And people much smarter than me have said, like, okay, they didn't do that great in the first movie or not do it at all. But it was, like, where George Lucas kind of came up with the idea of, like, the Force and, like, the Jedi being able to tell, like, persuade people to do things. Yeah. It's just so, there's some cool stuff like that where you're like, oh my god, that's the genesis of an idea that became something else. And I don't know. I don't want to talk all about, like, Star Wars and and Dune. I just think that that was an interesting thing. I think the scene where Paul put his hand in the box was really creepy. I I just think anything with the Bene Gesserit, which are the witches, they're creepy as hell. I don't like them. I think that's the thing that's, like, been the hardest thing for me to, like, keep. It, it's really a hard material to digest. Like, I need some... I need you to even explain to me. You're like, it's like in Star Wars, like, the yeah. government isn't... But they don't really, like, spell it out clearly that the government set them up. Like, I didn't get that right away. Because I was like, wait, why are they double... I didn't understand that the government was I corrupt. Think, I was like... I think later in the movie, Josh Brolin explicitly says they sent us here to die. Yeah. But, like, that's pretty late, relatively speaking. 
Yeah, it's just, there are some things, and that just might be me, like, I don't have enough information, but I guess I'm looking at it from, like, an average viewer who sees this as a bot, like, this is a huge thing that they're gonna go yeah. see, and, like, I felt like there were things that, like, I didn't get until, like, after I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, and I think, I think at the end of the day, that's the most important thing with this movie, is not, I mean, like I said, I'm not a Dune super fan. I've started to read the book, I've read Wikipedia summaries, but, like, this movie and this franchise, because they, they want to make more than two, spoiler alert, they want to make three. Not It's not all oh, one book. Oh, we're not going to get the whole book in the next one? No, 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 no. Oh. They want to they make a third movie that adapts the second book in the series. Got it. But th- apparently everything after that is, like, utter garbage, and it's not worth adapting. That's my loose understanding, or it's, like, really difficult to adapt, and they don't want to do it, but the second book is, like, pretty good. I don't know. I'm kind of getting off the rails here, but... Um, the important thing with this movie and the sequel is how well does that appeal to someone like you? Like a casual person who doesn't have an attachment to the series at all, who's probably never going to read the book, who's not going to look into things beyond what they see in the theater. If you capture that audience, that's how you get a truly successful sci-fi movie. You don't get it from like, no offense, like you don't get it from nerds. There's not enough. There's not enough people that are going to be diehards. about this franchise there's just not so it they go part of the way with getting big name actors and they get i mean denny villeneuve is probably one of the two best sci-fi directors out there currently um like but but again even he was seen as a risk because his last movie blade runner 2049 was like a critical darling and didn't make much money so even that like it's really hard to make good sci-fi Nowadays. Yeah, you just have to make it accessible yeah. to everyone because when you think, yeah, when you think of like the, you know, Star Wars, the Holy Grail, but like, yeah, that's because it was, it had all of these things at the heart of it that made it e- easy for people to understand yeah. and easy for them to relate to. And Star Wars especially does something that Dune, I don't think you can do. And because Star Wars is like attractive to children and I don't see a way that Dune could be like, if you took your kids to Dune, I don't know what you'd be doing like you'd have to walk out of the theater 15 minutes in because it would just not make any sense whatsoever yeah yeah but like i do think that paul's story it's very interesting like i'm very intrigued by like paul and like so i guess yeah he's very much like like a jesus figure yes i mean that's how all these things are like star wars is and harry potter there's always like the yeah a chosen one like the chosen one yeah so but I think what I learned from... <laughs> from Wisecrack? F- yes, from Thug, whatever. <laughs> um, they were saying, like, okay, yeah, they've been breeding this guy from... They did... They, they kind of explained it. I was... I thought she did it, like, she did it... They kind of made it seem like she just did it on her own. Like, you shouldn't have had a male. But it's like, no, they have been breeding him, but they didn't want her to be the one to breed him. And yeah. also, they can choose what the sex of their child is? Yeah, the... The witches are, like, extremely powerful. The, the witches is what ex- what confuses the hell out of me. So does every every royal whatever, like, these families or, like, these like these bloodlines, like, they get a witch and the witch has to be... I don't know. she was in love with him. So I'm- the other thing that's weird is so House Atreides, who, like, that's the main hero, if you want to call him the hero house. They're vi- the villain house is House Harkonnen, but Lady Jessica is from House Harkonnen. Like, she was, she's related to them. And then she marries into House Atreides. So, like, at the end, so I had to look this up, but when Paul has his vision of his mom with the baby, and she has, like, the blue and white, like, yeah. face paint, like the villains, it's not because she, like, joined them. It's because she is one of them. But she also, like, loved her husband, it seemed like. It seemed like they loved each other. Yeah, it did seem like that. By the way, we want to, uh, not a great time to talk about it, or, like, there's no real good space, but Oscar Isaac as always, was fantastic in this. Yes. He is one of the three best actors alive right now. That's oh. all. Oh, you really love him. No, Oscar Isaac's awesome. Okay. He's so good. I mean, I like him. I just didn't have it. I don't have that. He's going to crush it in Moon Knight, which uh, that Disney Plus trailer was 20 seconds of sick. Okay. So my... Uh, here's the one takeaway. I don't trust that bitch. I do not trust no. his mother. No. One second. I would throw her ass. Like, I don't... I, I would feed her to the worm. Like, she... She is shady, and I don't know how much she actually cares about Paul as a mother, as she does, like... Yeah, I don't... 
I never got the impression she was super motherly to him. I feel that her agenda lies with the other witches well, first and but foremost. But the thing is, the witches don't didn't believe in him, but she did. So I'm like, is her agenda just to make sure that like she she knows that he's the one, and she's just trying to breed him as much yeah. as possible? And like, I don't know. It's so confusing. It is. It is really confusing. There is so much in this movie that we are not smart enough to figure out. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I need to, sorry. <laughs> I need to explain, like, someone to just explain this all to me. A cliff notes would yeah. be really helpful. But overall, um, just a couple small things I wanted to touch on, too. Uh, the sandworm, the first time you see that thing, like, in its full glory, uh, my jaw kind of hit the floor. It was... I I just haven't really seen something like that in a movie before. That thing is creepy. I want to see it eat something. Um, we saw it eat a couple ships, but that wasn't really satisfying. If Paul's mother gets eaten by a sandworm, I won't object. Uh, I guess they didn't really do a good job explaining it, but the Fremen can, like, ride them like a horse, basically. They can, like, tame them and ride them. I don't understand the Fremen at all, but we'll They're creepy desert people that value... A body's water more than a person itself. That's what I got from the movie. I hope we learn a lot more about them. I think they live underground, they said. They live in caves or something. Yeah, but the thing is, they're not really creepy because they've been taken advantage of. They're, oh, it's, yeah. They're, it's basically, they're like they're like the, the Native Americans. Yes. Like, yeah, they, they their are. Their land is being taken over. Yeah. By assholes. Um, it, one last thing. The, like, fights, I, I don't even know if you want to call it a fight sequence, but when, like, House Harkonnen ambushes House Atreides, like that whole space battle on Earth thing, that was cool as hell. Yeah, that was cool. That was really cool. And then the last thing I just want to make note of is their whole shield thing where like, if it's a fast blow, you're good, but if it's a slow stab, that whole effect thing with the little blue and the red, that was really cool too. I, there was a lot of cool stuff in here. I don't have better descriptors to talk about it. Um... But, Anna, do you want to give this movie a score? Because I don't think we had anything else we really well, wanted to mention. Well, I'd like to also say that I thought Timothy Chalamet was very good. I'm not not I'm not, not a Timothy Chalamet fan. I think he's a little overhyped. I never got the hype, but again, I've never seen Call Me By Your Name, which I feel like a lot of people who like love him, they say like how great he was and that. And I've, I hate him in Lady Bird. He's good acting, well, but he, I hate him. That's, he's a great actor because you're supposed yeah. to hate his ass. Yeah. Um, but I like really thought... I liked him a lot. I yeah. thought, like, he he is a really good actor. Like, you, it's you, very evident. You know who else gave a really good performance in his limited thing? Who just keeps doing it? And, Jason Momoa? Uh, no. Momoa was fine. Um, no, uh, Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista in non-guard... I mean, he's good in Guardians, but it's very easy to do what he does. But when he pops up in other stuff, like, he's good. He's what a good do you actor. Mean? The comedic... Genius oh, he's, he's tiny, but I'm him. saying dramatic. He's oh, like he's yeah. not a bad actor. I quite like Dave Bautista in oh, other I just things. Can't believe you were like, he's no, 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 no. He's good, but that's more in line with his personality. Like Dave Bautista when he was a wrestler, like that was kind of his whole shtick, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I really like this movie. I'm excited it's getting a sequel. I hope when it comes out in two years that I am more well versed to enjoy it to process it. Um, Anna, would you like to give it a score first, or do you want me to? Um, can you give it a score? Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna be a lot higher than you. I give it a 92. I really like this movie. I was gonna say a 90. Oh, damn, I didn't realize it was gonna be that high for you. I mean, what, wouldn't, why wouldn't it be? I don't know. It was a good movie. I, I would recommend seeing it. Um. I just, I need more. Yeah, I, I, uh, not in a theater, but like, when it's, when part two's out, I could do like a Zack Snyder like four hour cut of the whole thing and just get the full story um i think i could do that maybe it might be overwhelming i don't know hbo i'm listening if you want to give it to me but probably not why do they have to give it to you because h well it's warner brothers and hbo max i don't know hbo max might not exist in two years who knows are you serious yeah they might split it up into like seven streaming services to make more money that'd be rude it's very cynical of me <laughs> anyway let's move on to another movie by a massive studio um, one we enjoyed. I don't know if we enjoyed more or less same than Dune. I will flesh that out. But that is The Eternals. We did not see this movie three weeks ago. We saw it a week ago from the time we're recording. Um, Eternals has been hyped. It was supposed to come out last November, maybe last December. I don't know. It's been done for a while. 
Um, but, you know, Marvel's got to get their timing right. Yeah, Marvel's got to get their timing right. And this one's different. Um, it's directed by Chloe Zhao, who just won Best Picture for No Man Land and Best Director. Um, she doing a movie of this size is very new for her. She does a lot of small scale stuff. This is the biggest project she's ever done. Um, it's been hyped for a long time. We both said this was one of our like top three movies we were looking the most forward to this year. I think it has been marketed to, I mean, to the end of the earth. Uh, I mean, we saw that first trailer for this in, like, May. I mean, it was a long, long time ago. So, I'm gonna dive right into the synopsis, and then we can kind of talk about it. Can I say one it. thing about the trailer? Yes. I am really think why it hasn't... I think people's expectations, that Marvel got people's expectations, twist, like, they were twisting people's expectations yeah. by putting... These, I really dislike that that the newest trailer, or like the most recent trailer of, they keep splicing in things from the Avengers yeah. into it. And I don't know, I just don't, I just think that kind of makes it worse. Like, yeah. not in the movie, it makes the expectations of what people are upset about worse yeah. because you're making people think that this is connected. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into this. So the Eternals are a team of superheroes who were sent to Earth 7,000 years ago to protect humanity from creatures known as the Deviants. Working on behalf of the cosmic gods known as the Celestials, the Eternals have been given have given humanity some of their greatest gifts, helping to push society forward into the modern era. When the Deviants return after centuries of peace, the Eternals must help face a powerful threat that they have never seen before that can end the world. Um, another movie that has a big cast, it's an ensemble movie. Uh, it stars Gemma Chan and Richard Madden in the two lead roles, Salma Hayek, Kumail Nanjiani, Liam McHugh, Brian Tangry Henry, and like four or five more names. My apologies for not listing them all, but it's a huge cast. Um, now, this is where we can kind of talk about expectations. It has a 47 critic score and an 80 audience score. It's the lowest critic MCU movie by by far on Rotten Tomatoes. It's 19 points lower than Thor The Dark World. See, like, critic score. I mean, that's the problem, though. The people, they have their expectations way now, too high of what they want. And I'm not saying expectations in a quality. It's expectations of story. Yeah. And now this is interesting, too. It is the only rotten MCU movie by critic score. The only one. Yeah, I just think that's bullshit. I it, agree with it's that. It's ridiculous. Like, that is ridiculous. I think it's, like, the third lowest audience score, which... I can see, because this movie definitely had some issues with general audience appeal. Um, and I say that as someone who really enjoyed this movie. I, I I had a very good time with Eternals. I think it has some glaring issues, though. Yeah, was I frustrated at parts? Yes. Did I enjoy it? Yes. Yes. I think that this movie, just coming right off the bat, it feels the least Marvel out of any Marvel movie in recent years. They do have a lot of that humor that you either love or you hate because they use a little bit of it at weird times. Um, I think they get some fantastic performances from some of the Eternals, and I think the relationship that they needed the best chemistry kind of fell flat. Basically, Gemma Chan and Richard Madden... I don't believe that they ever loved each other. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I know, like, other people, it's like, I don't know, my dad really want to fight me on this. Like, I thought it was fine. Like, it's not fine. I believed every other relationship. Yeah. They, they all have, it seemed like all the Eternals, which I liked, have different relationships with each other. And there's some that are closer than others. And I'd be that, lo- like, romantic love, friendship, camaraderie love, hate, like, whatever, you know, admiring, all this stuff. And the titular relationship is is Cersei, 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 um, Cersei and Icarus, Cersei and Icarus, and I did not think that they had any on screen chemistry, not at all. I also even the sex scene. I'm like, this is not. I, you know, I was thinking about that. Is that the first sex scene we've had in a Marvel movie? Maybe. Whether it was or wasn't, it was extremely uncomfortable. Um. It felt very ill-timed. I'm, like, there... So here's my issue conflicting. I, like, there... I I think I said this on Twitter or somewhere. Somewhere in here, 
was like a masterpiece of a movie. Like, I truly think there was an opportunity to tell a story here that was very different from Marvel, could be a very signature thing, and could be somehow like a very character-driven, intimate story, but also this grand-scale thing. And I think it just didn't do that. Well, they had enough time. Yeah. I think there's too many characters... And you can't just well, make fo- it a three-hour movie. And they focused on too, too many things. There was like... Yeah. I mean, I really did think that... I didn't even mention Angelina Jolie's in this movie. Oh, gosh. She's so good. Um, she was great in this, by the way. Um, I... But I feel like other characters, I they fleshed out their relationships yes. and about them so quickly, so fast. I got it. But there was so much traveling to places in this movie that was not needed. I felt like, again... I wanted to know more. This whole thing is about Icarus and Cersei's relationship and and seeing it come to fruition is seeing Icarus's glaring flaws mm-hmm. and Cersei's un un um earth strength. Yeah. And like that they that like and then also just like how yeah, how inspiring she is and yeah. how amazing she is. And yeah, we got that, but then I didn't get the real, I wish I got more of like he always underestimated her, Mm -hmm. that he never thought she was strong, like, that every time she did something that was surprising, he was, like, so surprised and didn't understand, he didn't understand why she was, yeah, why she was the new leader, all, you know, all that stuff. But, like, I think the twist, like, John, you said you knew that Icarus was gonna be that guy. Yeah. Did you know that it was gonna be that the the Eternals are the bad guys? So, I... I'm not going to claim to be smart enough to say I knew that, but something did click in my head when they were like, the Deviants are all gone, but we're going to stay here. That did kind of make me sit up where I was like, that's weird. If that's your sole focus, that's weird. But I didn't really think anything of it. Just kind of, you know, file it away for later. So when when the reveal came, I was like, yeah, this is a shock, but it wasn't as big of a shock because I immediately went back. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I did, like you said, the second Richard Madden came on screen, I don't know if it was just how they made his costume or just a look in his eye. I was like, this guy's evil. Also, what's crazy is he's known about this secret for years, so he never gets reprogrammed. So has he been in love with Cersei? Like, the, maybe that's why he's no, just No, he like... did get reprogrammed. Um, Selma Hayek, whose character's name escapes me, um, told him about it like 2,000 years prior to... The events of the movie. So he only remembers... He so only remembers like, Earth. Earth. Okay, never but, mind. But she told him in case, like, something... In case she, like, wavered or whatever. So he knew about it. But he didn't know about prior experiences. Um, Selma Hayek, I probably should know what her name is. I probably should know all of these names. Um, Selma Hayek was... Ajak. Ajak. Um, I do want to say, so... Like, that was crazy. They freaking cut oh my her God. off. So quickly. I will say, even though the marketing for this did get annoying, how much they made you think Selma Hayek was in this movie, this was an example of marketing being a great way to set up a twist. Because I thought that Selma Hayek was going to be like the third most screen time in this. Yeah, or like even if she did die like later. Yeah. Not like that's like a big moment. Like that's the turning point. Yeah. When they di- when they flash back, I was like, okay, this makes sense because this scene was in the trailer. But, but I also, thought- we know that Marvel sometimes just would put that in there. Yeah, Marvel cause. Marvel trailers are not to be trusted by anyone <laughs> at any time. But you know, you talked about the way that they kind of did a poor job of showing Cersei and Icarus. But I wa- I do want to talk about when they showed a great job, and that is um, Druig and Makari, like. It took literally 10 seconds with them together on screen to show, you know, how they communicate with sign language and how just, just how much love they have for each other, whether it's romantic or whether it's just a deep friendship. They don't really say which it is, and it doesn't really matter which it is. Oh, they're in love with each other, for sure. Well, but the point is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, you instantly see that care and that compassion and that, you know, that relationship right away and they spend 75% of the movie on on Icarus and Cersei and it saying, just doesn't come through. More. Like I'm yeah. not 
unhappy. I don't know. Yeah. I just think some of the choices. The pacing was weird because I was getting confused of like when they were showing them going back in time. Like not yeah. just flashbacks. And it wasn't always clear the, the, that thing, the flashback was happening. The thing about the flashbacks is I don't think they were all necessary. I think that they had some like a five minute flashback that would show a lesson that you could have explained in, you know, a two sentence line of dialogue. I did just say I did cry a lot in this movie. So like it did get me. Like, I was I was very emotionally like invested in it. Like I did yeah. cry a lot. I cried. It about, is a beautiful movie too. Yeah, it's beautifully shot. I think like each person put so much each actor put so much care into their mm-hmm. character. Like I was literally crying at like they they did such a great job of every single character's backstory and how they feel about Earth and the job they've been sent to do mm-hmm. and how it affected them and what do they feel like, you know, what do they believe about, you know, either the the two sides of like building a celestial and, you know, or not, or is there another way? What's the morality of it? And I think that's the most like, interesting it was very i think that was just so well done i i did like that yeah um i just think that there were things that were so i'm not mad about the tone or like that it was completely different completely separate from any marvel movie like this did feel like the least marvel but my thing is if they're gonna be in this phase four they need to be different i think shang chi was a very like a pretty typical origin story for them and then in the end they still had these cameos like yeah they built into the universe whereas this is completely separate yeah we don't get anything except for thanos you get get references you know steve rogers is dead who's gonna lead the avengers i mean you get you get like actual like connections yeah not 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 like nuggets yeah you don't really get get is thanos's brother like yeah and like that was awesome yeah though i I'm not like crazy. People are freaking out. We'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. I, I, I want to. I have a separate th- series of thoughts on that. But I, I think um, one thing that I thought was really cool. Um, one more relationship, and then kind of just individual nitpicks and here and there. Um, I loved the relationship between Gilgamesh and um, Angelina Jolie, whatever. Athena. Uh, Athena. Uh, Athena. I think the concept of well, one them being basically robots and having their minds reset and rescrambled, but them like not doing a good job on her and her getting these fractured bits of her, you know, billions of years of existence just popping back in and out. I thought that was fascinating. I loved Don Lee as Gilgamesh. Yeah. I just thought he was a great character. He was probably my favorite of all of them or Druig, but yeah, I I thought Gilgamesh was fantastic. Yes. Um, and then switching to Druig, I wish they would have gone more into the fact that he can literally control the mind of as many people as he want. Um, it, he thought he could use it for good, but they did bring up the point that he was basically turning them into mindless slaves. I hope that in the sequel, if this gets a sequel, they kind of look at kind of the repercussions of that more, but I'm not confident that they will. Yeah, for sure. Um... Then I guess if we want to, um, do you want to talk about the character that I feel like you had the most to talk about with Fastos? I love Fastos. That's the one I cried the most at. I cried literally like every scene that was about him. <laughs> I think like the whole, like his realization of they were put on this or like he, he was supposed to be giving them invent- inventions because it was going to create war and war speeds up the process of like you know usually after war there's booms in population there's mm-hmm. also booms in um like innovation in innovation and like his realization of like what he you know like after the holocaust and like world war 2 and then his family like my heart his husband and his and his son like it's just so sweet and like he was just a really he, again he did not have that much screen time, and I felt like it was so deep into, yeah. like, the core of, like, his beliefs and mm-hmm. what he was going through, and, like, all that stuff was so good. Yeah, and and I I do want to commend Chloe Zhao. Um, so there are certain movies that won't show this movie because certain of... Certain years, certain countries, you said movies. Oh, sorry. There are certain countries that won't show this movie because of Fastos' scenes with his husband 
Um, well, I would say the only scene is the kissing scene. I think it's I think it's acknowledging that he's gay at all with certain countries. Um, and I I like that that she's stuck to her guns and is saying that no, this has to be in this movie. This is an important part of representation, and I think that that's a fantastic thing. And I'm glad that Marvel, you know, probably should have taken them closer to than the 26th movie to have something like this. But you know, the fact that they're at least starting to do things like this is a nice change of pace. Um, but I did love Fastos. I think that he was the most tragic of all of the characters in the movie. Um, I really, I mean, it's hard to watch, but the scene where they go to Hiroshima is very, yeah. it's tough. Um, and it, it is it like with all these characters, it's just a fascinating thing to look at. Um, so you did bring up earlier, you brought up the fact that they introduced Thanos's brother in the post credit scene. This was spoiled for a lot of people because Vanity Fair had two journalists that were massive Harry Styles fans in the post credit scene. I believe a couple of them tweeted out, like, they took a picture of him and tweeted it out, which is, one, you're not supposed to tweet spoilers of your press, but two, taking a picture is, like, the biggest... Big no-no, yeah. Huge no-no. That's a way for you to ensure that you're getting fired. Um, I, I was expecting personally for Thanos to at least show up in one of those flashbacks because in the comics, Thanos is an eternal, but with a deviant gene, they reworked kind of that whole thing in the movie. Um, but the creator of Thanos was like one of the main writers on Eternals. So I'm kind of surprised he didn't show up at least in a flashback in this movie, but it is interesting that they're introducing his brother but do you think maybe thanos will have a bigger part in the next one because in flashbacks sure i mean he's dead so yeah no that's what I'm but i'm just saying like him in general like his philosophy or I don't it know. could i mean the thing is like everyone's saying it's like thanos <laughs> was right because he delayed the the emergence emergence by four years so yes but also, there's a large community of people on the internet that have wanted to prove that Thanos was right for a long time. I'm not saying it was the right thing to do, <laughs> but it was it like sadistic? Yes. Was it wrong in in execution? Yes. But was it right in the fact that it, it delayed? Did it have practical applications? TBD. But my thing is, it's it's not that he's right because this isn't his planet. He didn't give a shit. He's just doing it because his planet. Yes. Got, like, he's revenge, basically. Yeah. But also how, I don't know, I guess. But also salvation, because Thanos is a benevolent (laughs) uh, god, demigod. But if he's an eternal with a deviant gene. I don't think in the movies he is. I think they've changed. He's just a titan. Yeah, he's just the mad titan. But wait, but Thanos' No, 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 he has to be, though, so yes. brother isn't eternal. But also, how can Thanos have brother if eternal created by celestial sorry for my poor grammar there like if they're not actually alive how can they have siblings or is only these are only these eternals created as robots maybe because they were first he's like a first generation eternal maybe i don't know now my brain hurts again yeah i just that's why i think like the whole Thanos, the concept of thanos and his beliefs are gonna be more of a thing in the next one because we're gonna have thanos's brother yeah I also got to say, Marvel has had some CGI issues in the movies they've released post-COVID, and that can be explained by working from home stuff. That guy that um, Thanos' brother was with, yeah. Pip the Troll, who was voiced by the great Pan Os- Oswalt. My princess. No. Is that him? No, Pan Oswalt is um, the guy from Parks and Rec that does the fil- oh. the filibuster guy when he oh, rants yes, about Star Wars. You. I was thinking someone else. Um <laughs> The CGI I was in him. thinking of um, Andy Serkis. Yes, Andy Serkis, the goat. Um, no, very different people. The CGI in his character, his name is Pip the Troll, looked atrocious. That is the worst CGI in any Marvel movie. Do you movie. think because they just like wanted to get that scene done? I think it's just that the animation for that got pushed to some guy working from home in Brooklyn or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. I it, it probably was a crunch thing where the post credit scene is the last thing to get made, and it's just, yeah, you know. Who cares what they see? Um, the second post credit scene, though, I was more interested in than the first one because it is the first appearance, even though it's just his voice, of Blade in the MCU. 
who is going to be working with Dane Whitman, who we didn't talk about at all, but Kit Harrington is also in this movie. He had way more freaking chemistry with Cersei than, like, their kissing scene, hot, great makeout scene. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, like, I was like, okay, I want them to be together. And I thought when I, before he came on screen, like, Icarus came to me, I was like, fuck this guy, we want Icarus. But then Icarus comes on the scene and they're together and I'm like, ew, no, I want her to be with the human. Also, the fact at the end that that celestial just like shows his big ass face in the clouds and then just picks him up and just zaps him off to another part of the universe. That was I can't believe it ended like that. Like you, oh, happy ending, so great, and then it's like, okay, well, the three. He just shows he his face just shows up in the sky, and you're like, oh my lord. And the four of them that are on Earth are just like held captive. Like yeah. We just got this great, it hurt because Fastos got to be safe with his family and now they don't have him right now. Yeah, that was wild. Also, the fact that Cersei could just turn Sprite into a human, be like, I'm going to touch you and you're a human now. I was like, what the hell? What is this? And. Oh, Sprite. Sprite literally stabs her in the back. Sprite's agency makes no sense in this movie. I'm just going to say that. Stabs her in the back and they still friends with her. Come on. Um, small grape. What exactly are, like, why are, why is Icarus stronger than Kingo? Because it seems like Icarus shoots lasers out of his eyes, and Kingo does finger guns. And they're the same amount of powerful, because, uh... Well, Icarus can fly. Oh, yeah. Icarus is literally Superman. Which they mention in the movie yeah. multiple times. So apparently DC exists in these movies as a comic book, or a TV show, or a movie. They also mentioned Batman, and they mentioned Alfred. So, this is weird. It's very weird. Did not like that. Um, I did appreciate... Well, no, I didn't appreciate the fact that they go so heavy-handed with Icarus flew too close to the sun, and then he kills himself by flying into the sun. But we don't know if he's actually dead. I bet you he's I think they all can come back to life. They're robots. They literally are not alive. can't... What's his name? Just... Can't the Celestials... Irishim? Yeah. What's with the name? I can't... I'm sorry. None of their names are sticking... Yeah, none of them are sticking or in my head. Roman? I don't know. Like, the you saying their names is, like, helping me, but, like, the yeah. only one that I can all, I remember is Sprite. Like, I can't remember any of their names. And, like, even Icarus is, like, hard. I'm like, ugh, what's his name? What's his name? Icarus. <laughs> but, yeah, there's a lot. A lot's taken. Um, one last thing didn't talk about. Sorry. Um, I loved all the scenes with Makari. I love that they now have a deaf superhero. Um, there are some great stories that have come out about how Angelina Jolie, like, specifically got the directors to, or the director, to, like, create more scenes for her because she came up with ways to, like, make her involved in the acting better with, like, laser pointers and stuff so she could get cues when she's not facing people. There's just some really cool stuff to come out um, from the production regarding that. I thought that that was something that, again representation matters yes and what's so cool like i think is amazing is they were having closed caption um, oh yeah that was that was cool they were having subtitle viewings at the theaters which i am a huge advocate that they should do that for all movies yeah people love subtitles now like it's a thing also not they're not obtrusive no and i think that people will like not it's not only making it accessible you know for for those that are that are either, like, hard of hearing, um, that are hard of hearing or have, like, a hearing disability, but also it could be for, the like, you know, maybe speak a different language than English, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then also just make, just better accessibility, but also just kind of, it's just cool. I just think it's so cool. So I feel like they should do that more. Like, I feel like people would go see that. Yes. I, I completely agree. I, I'm a huge proponent of subtitles. I have been watching movies with subtitles more and more lately, and I would appreciate that. that John, you used to be big no on it. I know, but the movie that changed it for me was Tenet. That movie would have no, been... No, the movie a, that changed it Well, Parasite. Well, no, because that's a foreign language. No, I'm talking about the same language, John. You okay. see this every time. It's not Parasite. Okay. It is Lord of the Rings. Should have oh, watched all of them yes. with subtitles. Yeah, that actually is what changed subtitles for me. Um... But yeah, that's pretty much Eternals. I can't really think of anything else I wanted to talk about from it. Um, would you say it's worth seeing in theaters? Yes. Okay. It's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. I'm not certain how much I'll rewatch it when it hits streaming. It's it's a big undertaking, is what I, for sure. Like it's not. 
it felt like the same kind of, you know, Lord of the Rings seems like such a big undertaking too. But it, it was like getting to that level where it's like, oh, it's not like Harry Potter where you can draw on a Harry Potter movie that's like yeah. very long and it's very heavy, but you're like, I'll watch this any day of the week. This one, it just yeah. feel like it's a lot. Actually, I did have one more point I wanted to make, and this is a realization I came to sometime last week. Um, Marvel, specifically this one, feels like early Marvel in the sense that they have to, like, rebuild an entire universe and, you know, make all this new lore and all this stuff. And I'm kind of just wondering how long it's going to feel like that. I know that the next movie is Spider-Man, which we is picking up a story that we're already familiar with for characters we get. But, like, some of these Marvel movies are going to feel like this going forward, where it's very new, and we're just kind of waiting to get to the payoff, when the payoff's probably five years down the line. But I guess... I know. I mean, did we feel like this when Marvel was first starting out? Not really, because we didn't have this End perception goal. of what came before. It was just kind of like they were building and building yeah. it. But I feel like they were all just so excited for all the new things that come but it's so many new things yeah that it's overwhelming but then everyone wants to it, it i just feel like they're in this conund like they're not gonna fail but they're in no. this like weird conundrum where it's like we want to keep our roots but also we want something new and our audience wants all the new things well, and so you need to, the new and you need to be building towards something bigger and better which after doing endgame how do you build towards bigger than that and i know they will they'll come up with something but I You know, when Endgame first came out, I was kind of thinking, you know, this will be a jumping off point for some people. Like, some people, that's the end of Marvel for them. Like, they're done. They'll watch a movie here and there, but they don't care about the MCU as much. And then, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home came out, and it got a, made a bunch of money. And I was like, okay, no, maybe Marvel's got, you know, some staying power. And now I'm kind of back in the Endgame thing. I'm like, a lot of people aren't going to keep up with the MCU. There's just too much. But I think, too, this... The problem has been, too, the stakes are so high yeah. in every movie. I don't, you know, we just watched, oh, I don't know what the timeline is. Like, I guess we just, we saw WandaVision, that, like, and I guess that's contained to a town, but but she, but Wanda is so powerful. Yeah. And we watched Loki, that's like this huge, like, you know, the multiverse is breaking in King the Conqueror. Yeah. And then, you know, then we have... We have a new Captain America. It's just crazy because if there was a celestial coming out of the earth, wouldn't any of those people be like, yo, what is this? I mean, the person I think that would do it the most would be Doctor Strange. I'm like, where's he? Like, yeah, it's just that when we don't, the stakes keep getting higher and higher. The world is going to end. The world is going to end. We have yeah. the freaking universe is falling well, apart. We have the celestial is going to kill Earth. And even even like the movies that used to be small scale, like Ant Man. The next Ant Man, Kang is in it. Like, yeah, you can't have you can't have like a multiversal villain in a small scale Marvel movie. Like that's the thing. It felt like, and I guess I did see some critiques of this movie. Is that the the stakes are so high, but they feel so, so low, so contained. Yeah, and I agree because shouldn't I be sitting here being like, oh my gosh, there's yeah, a, this like, thing is gonna freaking rip up the like entire the world. Earth is giving birth to a baby, and it's gonna die a, a cosmic baby that is going to explode the Earth. It is feeding off its energy, and I was just kind of like okay. at no at no point because I'm like, well, we have movies that are gonna take place on Earth, so Earth can't be destroyed. Yeah. So, what's, yeah, I agree. What's the stakes, really? Because I'm, you can't pull the wool over my eyes unless you're going to pull some trick and be like, oh, this isn't actually your universe. This is a different universe. True. But and then you just walk out and you'd be like, okay, well, then why does it matter? Like, why do I care? Yeah. So that's like, I think the hard, that was a hard thing. Like, the stakes are really big, but I felt like I was like, okay, yeah, when's it, who's going to do it? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that's the great way to sum this movie up. Um, it's huge, but also not huge at all. It's yeah. pretty small, actually. It's a cosmic story that takes place on one planet. Kind of odd. Um, so as far as score, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go. Okay. I'm going to give it like an 82. 
Yeah, so when we first came out of the theater, I said 88. I'm dropping it to an 80. I I liked it. There's a lot of really good here, and there's a lot where you're just like, I I don't know what you're doing, man. And that's fine. It's still a Marvel movie at the end of the day. I still enjoy it. But I definitely, yeah. I am really looking forward to seeing Spider-Man, just to see, to have some, like, comfort food where I'm like, okay, like, I know Tom Holland. I know Doctor Strange. Like, <laughs> Please, just, I know that movie's going to be weird as hell, but just give me some Marvel that I've got a connection to. We're so close. And I'll feel that way when Shang-Chi 2, Shang-Chi 2 comes out. That was very hard. But that's not first before, like... No, that's not coming out for, like, four years, because Marvel releases 27 movies before then. Well, we have Thor, Love and Thunder, and... Doctor Strange 2. Doctor Strange 2, and, um... Uh, Wolf Captain America 4. Well, before that, we'll have Guardians. Yeah. So we'll we'll have stuff we're familiar with, but I don't know. I'm just... Marvel is in a spot right now that there's so much new. It's very overwhelming. <laughs> but if you've seen either of these two movies today, and you feel differently or the same about them, why don't you tell us on social media about it? Um, we want to thank everybody for listening today to hear us talk about these two massive movies. And, um, two very long movies. We hope that you are enjoying November, this busy movie month. Uh, there is seemingly a massive release every week, sometimes two in one week, um, and it's only going to get more as we get into December, so we hope you're all enjoying big-time movie season, because that's what we're in. And we're not even at award season yet, which is going to be even more stuff. So, with that being said, thank you everybody for listening. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. You've built the perfect safe house. Well, what's this even made of? Vibranium? Fall collection. Ikea.